take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokets And non-toking lovers of liberty It is Wednesday, January 4th, 2017 And it's got to be 420 Somewhere in the world Thanks for joining us here. Happy New Year to you all. We are back and better than ever. As I mentioned earlier, we are in Super 3D now. Not just regular 3D, Super 3D. Can you tell? (laughs) Oh, it's uh, cold here in beautiful legal potland, Oregon. We are approaching some record cold temperatures coming up uh, this evening and throughout the rest of this week. And I know my listeners in other parts of the country and the world will just laugh at me when I say our record low is like 16. That's that's positive 16, folks. <laughs> but here in Portland, man, it's got everyone freaking out and bundling up. And uh, we're doing the same here at Delta 9 Studios. we got the fireplace roaring and a couple of space heaters out, and we're going to make the best of it. As we uh, open up today's show, uh, on a sad note, unfortunately, um, the uh, 2016, of course, we talked about all the celebrity deaths that occurred, and it was uh, pretty tragic toward the end there with uh, George Michael and Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds. Well, to open up 2017, the cannabis community, unfortunately, has suffered a loss. It's the master cannabis breeder, Franco, uh, one half of the team on Strain Hunters. If you know about the Strain Hunters, uh, yeah, he was 42 years old and died while filming an episode of Strain Hunters in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. The cause of death is still unknown, but there are unconfirmed reports that uh, Franco succumbed to an aggressive case of cerebral malaria. Uh, A bit of an irony as the strain hunters were down in the Congo trying to research uh, native strains there and the use of cannabidiol to treat malaria. The uh, mortality rate for malaria is around 20 to 50%. So it's a shame. Uh, Franco has passed away. Uh, Again, one of the guys out there that is you know, uh, propagating and, and searching for land race strains, you know, the original source strains of our cannabis. In his own words, in 2014, he said, quote, land races are the most natural form of cannabis existing on the planet because they have been constantly adapting and evolving, improving their harmony with the environment they live in. They are the basis of breeding and the most ancient pure cannabis races existing on the planet. Land races have been obeying a basic rule of nature inside their own environment, survival of the fittest. It is our duty to preserve cannabis land races for the future of scientific and medical research and for the basic human right to use a plant that has been used for millennia. Land races could hide cannabis profiles that one day may be used to create new medicines, and these medicines could improve or even save lives. End quote. Uh, lots of tributes. I'm reading a page here on CannabisNow.com. Uh, Danny Danko has uh, weighed in. Uh, folks from uh, Berkeley Patients Group, National Cannabis Industry Association, and so forth. So many of our pioneers are uh, have passed away, and and we've lost Franco way too way too young at the age of forty two. 
All right, coming up on today's show, of course, we've got your Cannabis Radio News coming up next. And then in Behind the Headlines, an update on decriminalization in America with a Illinois township joining the ranks of the decriminalized. In Drug War Data Mining, we're going to talk about how Prohibition Cannabis is California's top crop for now. And then in Cannabis Chronicles, we'll talk about billboard bans again and how it's counterproductive. And in the Radical Rant... Treat it like dandelions, the nuclear option for marijuana in Trump's America. All that coming up in Hour 1, and then we'll have more to talk about in Hour 2, plus your calls at 650-LEGAL-MJ. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the Seed to Sale Show, January 31st and February 1st at the Colorado Convention Center in Denver. Register now at www.seedtosaleshow.com or 888-409-4418. The NCIA Seed to Sale Show, the largest cannabis business event to be held in Denver, will host over 2,000 cannabis professionals and focus on innovations and technology in cultivation, infused products and extraction, and sales strategies. The show will recognize the best in the industry with the Cannivation and Canatech Awards. Register before January 6th for $100 savings at SeedToSaleShow.com. Use the code RADIO15 for an additional 15% off. Plan your experience now for the NCIA Seed to Sale Show, January 31st and February 1st. SeedToSaleShow.com or 888-409-4418. Previously on the Stoner Jesus Show... Uh, St. Peter auditioning to be the Microsoft Weed Software uh, spokesman. Hey, this is St. Peter for Microsoft. They track weed. Does that mean they're going to like track the weed? Is that what this is about, Jesus? I'm not going to be tracked, Jesus. I'm not going to have my fucking weed tracked, and I'm not going to have fucking Microsoft track me back to my fucking house through my weed to where they fucking spied on people with that goddamn Xbox camera. Fuck this. Fuck Microsoft. Fuck this bullshit. The Stoner Jesus Show, live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our cannabis focus. Today in the focus, I want to talk a little bit about decriminalization. There was a, a piece that came across the Chicago Tribune here uh, where Oswego, apparently a small suburb uh, of Chicago, decriminalizes small amounts of marijuana. Uh, this village uh, has now made it a civil offense 
for anyone caught with 10 grams or less. And I always crack up when I see these amounts, right? Because in most states where decriminalization has taken effect, the amount is an ounce. Uh, In some places, it's half an ounce. In other places, they've made it 10 grams. Uh, Why is it a a personal amount bigger in some places than it is in other places? It just seems strange to me that we can't settle on, you know, what exactly is a personal amount from state to state. But the good news for the people of Oswego is making some progress forward on ending adult marijuana prohibition. But there's so much more that could be done. And when it comes to decriminalization, we've got 21 states where there is some form of decriminalization. Now, eight of those states and D.C. have now uh, legalized marijuana. So the decriminalization, while it's still on the books, it's kind of a moot point because like here in Oregon, you know, it's marijuana is decriminalized under an ounce, but, you know, it's legal under an ounce. So what's the point? doesn't make any difference, right? So if you just count the states that don't have legalization, we currently have 13 of them that have some form of decriminalization. Nine of those states have a decriminalization where it's a civil infraction. You get a fine and a ticket. Four of those states are minor misdemeanor states. Uh, What that means is that it's still a crime if you're caught with marijuana, but it's not an arrestable offense. So you can't be arrested and it's uh, you're not going to do any jail time for this offense. The only problem with this is that the minor misdemeanors still leave you with a criminal record. Uh, One of these states with the uh, minor misdemeanors is Ohio, where numerous times I've looked up in Ohio's uh, uh, online in Ohio regarding marijuana reform, and I'll get ads that pop up for lawyers who will help people convicted of that simple possession misdemeanor to get that off their record. So while you may not go to jail, Uh, You may not be arrested. It can still be problematic for you as you still end up with that criminal record. So those states are Minnesota, Missouri, and that just went into effect recently. Uh, North Carolina and Ohio that have this uh, minor misdemeanor for decriminalization. The decriminalization amount differs from state to state. Again, it's like what makes it uh, personal amounts or decriminalized amounts varies by the states. In Ohio, It's 100 grams that's decriminalized. 100 grams is a little over three and a half ounces, close to three and a half ounces. Uh, In other states, uh, in Minnesota, it's 42 and a half grams. I don't know. 42 and a half grams doesn't even translate to an ounce or an ounce and a half. It's just a weird kind of a number. Mississippi, 30 grams. And then the rest of the states are an ounce, 28.3 grams, down to uh, New York, 25 grams, short of an ounce. Connecticut, 14.2, half an ounce. Uh, Same with North Carolina, half an ounce. And then Illinois, Maryland, and Missouri have settled on 10 grams. The fine in many of these states ranges anywhere from $100 to $500 on the first offense. But some of these states increase the fine for second and third offenses. Decriminalization goes all the way back to 1973, where uh, Oregon was the first state to decriminalize. And in the 70s, There were 10 of those states that decriminalized uh, Oregon through Nebraska. A lot of people can't believe Nebraska is a decriminalized state, as is Mississippi, which decriminalized in 1976. Then in the 2000s, we had a couple of states decriminalized, Nevada and Massachusetts. And then since 2010, there have been uh, 
nine states that have decriminalized, and many of them through their state legislatures. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. All right, folks, that sound means that it's time for our 20 after break. It's 420 in the Mountain Time Zone. That's where I was born, in Nampa, Idaho. So happy 420 to all my friends still in the Gem State and all throughout the Mountain Time Zone from the Yukon Territory all the way south. (laughs) We'll be back with some uh, drug war data mining. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Data Minds, I'm inspired by an article on Alternet that Philip Smith has written up. It's entitled Marijuana Monster Money. California makes more from cannabis than the next five largest crops combined. It's a it's a heady boast, and it comes from a report last week in the Orange County Register, which figures that lettuce throughout the entire state of California brings in two point two five billion. Cattle, calves, cows bring in 3.39 billion grapes bring in 4.95 billion almonds bring in 5.33 billion milk brings in 6.28 billion and cannabis as estimated by the orange county register brings in 23.3 billion dollars in the uh in the uh state of California. <laughs> 23.3 billion. Now that's a, a pretty big estimate. because uh, Arcview, which we recently reported on, estimates the legal cannabis market is gonna be twenty point two billion dollars for North America. Well of course the uh keyword in that would be legal. The estimate that the newspaper went by was seizures of pot plants and then use some of the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime equations that figure seizures are 10 to 20 percent of the total production. And then based on that estimate, was able to come up with what the production would be for California and how much it's supplying to the underground market, which is a large, large proportion. And that's where it comes in with this close to 24 billion dollar estimate. And even if that estimate is way too high, because part of their estimate is saying that each plant would produce a pound and the market would pay $1,765 a pound. Uh, so it might be a little bit of a padded estimate here because I don't know anybody get, getting 1700 bucks a pound, at least if their weed stays out here on the West Coast. As it goes east, I suppose those prices are pretty reasonable. And only one pound per outdoor plant is an awfully small estimate, so that doesn't seem realistic. But even if these estimates are off by a factor of three, 
they're still in the $8 billion range. <laughs> they're still dwarfing the next largest uh, crop in California, milk, at $6.something billion. So this is uh, something that's always difficult to get our data on, always diff difficult to get accurate measurements of the illicit market. And I fear that as we continue with legalization and as we continue to expand this market, we're going to start being subjected to some of these market forces that will be detrimental to those of us on the consumer side. To wit, all of these people are basing their investments and their forecasts and and betting their money on the idea that the cannabis market's going to compete com, com, is going to keep expanding and expanding and expanding up to the twenty billion dollar mark. And I and I don't doubt that it probably will, but that's an expansion that's based on legalization happening and continuing to expand in a few of these states. We're not really seeing an increase in the number of pot smokers. Now, those pot smokers are, at the adult level, smoking more often. So there's going to be this natural break on how many people are going to be a part of this market, how much they're going to consume. And the more legal it becomes, the cheaper it becomes. So basing these market estimates on $1,700 pounds, when in five years it could be $170 a pound, possibly, it could lead to some uh, crashing of people's expectations on what they thought that their big investment in the green rush would bring them. And with that in play, we might see invest the investor class, the, the business class in cannabis supporting legislation, supporting lawsuits, supporting all manner of mechanisms to artificially keep the price of cannabis high. Higher taxes, higher regulatory hurdles, uh, higher registration fees. Of course, doing so is just going to ensure that there remains an underground market. But that underground market would also be in support of those kind of things, those kind of measures that keep the price of legal cannabis higher than it should be. So they can continue to operate just underneath that margin in the underground market. Overall. My fear is that this, this dangling, shiny bobble, this distraction, this new green rush market mentality that we have toward cannabis may ultimately be our undoing and may ultimately lead to a prolonging of prohibition and a prolonging of higher taxes and overregulation and tariffs and all sorts of mechanisms to keep the price of cannabis high because so many people by that point will have their entire businesses and retirements and stock portfolios riding on a market that was forecasted to be this big billion dollar sort of market. I think marijuana ought to be as cheap as possible and as plentiful as possible and as many people ought to be growing it as possible. And that's not in the best interest of the people that want to keep the prices high and corner the market in it. it Maybe odd that in legalization our enemy changes from being the cops to being the corporations.
This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Twain once said that when there's a gold rush, it's a good time to be in the pick and shovel business. Today, we look at the rapidly evolving markets in the marijuana green rush in our Cannabis Chronicles. Today in the Cannabis Chronicles, I want to focus on this editorial I picked up in the East Bay Times. That would be Oakland, California. And the editorial says, ban pot smoking driving and marijuana billboards. And it opens up with a picture uh, of a billboard, a basically black billboard with white lettering that says Corova, unrivaled potency, CorovaEdibles.com, medicate responsibly. In between the CorovaEdibles.com and medicate responsibly, there's a tiny pot leaf, but it's not even green. It's white, and it's just the outline of a pot leaf. Uh, the biggest uh, graphic on the billboard is... A really fucked up looking cow. <laughs> it's got like four or five eyes and a top hat. Uh, and again, black and white, you know, so no buds, no boobs, no uh, bong smoke or anything like that. Just big white letters, Corova, unrivaled potency. That's the picture that leads the editorial from the East Bay Times that talks about the two bills that have been introduced. Now, one of them is to close a loophole in toking and driving. Uh, basically, Prop 64, when it, it was written, has an open container ban. So you can't have an open container of weed. And it has uh, it maintains that smoking and driving, you know, smoking or driving under the influence is illegal. But it doesn't have anything particularly that bans smoking and driving. And it doesn't address whether, like, is a joint an open container, right? So a guy smoking a joint technically might have been able to get away with it because he's not violating open container unless they can prove that the pot that he has smoked has made him impaired at the time, right? And so they got to close that. And and it's kind of an, an inevitable, uh, inevitably going to happen is we can't leave this loophole open even though it's a solution in search of a problem, right? People toking and driving across California freeways for decades now, and it's not leading to stone mayhem on the freeways. But regardless, politically speaking, yeah, you pretty much have to expect there's going to be no toking and driving. But this other bill, it's one I've ranted about before. Assemblyman Rob Bonta out of Alameda has sponsored this bill, and it's to ban marijuana billboards. And... Prop 64 also had a ban on marijuana billboards, but it was just on the freeways that cross state lines. So like Interstate 80, Interstate 5, you couldn't put a marijuana billboard on that because it crosses state lines. And that's kind of a nod to the coal memo and to the federal requirements that, you know, we try to keep marijuana within our own state borders. Never mind that. Interstate 80 would be crossing into Nevada, which has legal marijuana, and Interstate 5 would be crossing into Oregon, which has legal marijuana. <laughs> I-10, I-15 are crossing into Arizona. I could see that. Or is it I-10 or is it I-15? I forget. Whatever. The one that crosses into Arizona. I could see that. But they want to close that loophole, too, because there are spurs of freeways all over California, if you've ever seen that uh, Saturday Night Live skit the 405, the 880, and so forth. And they don't cross state lines. 
They, they're wholly within California, and there's pot billboards on those freeways. Specifically, the one I just mentioned, the uh, Korkova or the Korova Unrivaled Potency, or as the uh, as the editorial mentions, billboards along Interstate 880 in the Bay Area touting Korova edible marijuana products unrivaled potency are not what voters had in mind, nor would they want children to see roadside ads of pot icon Tommy Chong promoting his Chong's Choice marijuana products on billboards along Highway 50 near Sacramento. <sighs> okay, so you know the first thing I did when I saw this this morning? As I went to Google image search and I typed in interstate 880 billboards, try and guess what the very first result in the Google image search was a billboard for Corona beer. And of course, you could find other billboards for strip clubs and billboards for uh, men. Are you experiencing erectile dysfunction? Talk to your doctor and. You know, the ambulance chasing lawyers mentioning this and that and the other thing. And, of course, beer, beer, beer everywhere you look. Sky Vodka, you know, Jack Daniels. All that stuff's fine. Kids can see that. No problem. And let's not forget that Tommy Chong, for years, was in the TV show That 70s Show. And that was a show that kids were seeing all the time, too. (laughs) This idea that the kids' pristine eyes must be protected from the marijuana, but not all the other things, the beer and the, and the sex and the, uh, the ambulance chasing and all that stuff, that's fine. We got to protect them from the marijuana. The problem with this line of thinking is, number one, it's just offensive because just because we are marijuana consumers, marijuana sellers, marijuana growers, doesn't mean that we don't deserve our First Amendment rights that we don't deserve the right to speak, to, to present, to press, to advertise, and so forth, similar to how others are allowed to advertise. Now, we understand, like, you know, if you're running, uh, you know, Hustler magazine, it's got to be put behind the counter. Uh, there's obscenity laws. We understand that. We understand that cigarette ads aren't shown anymore. We understand that. We understand that very many restrictions on commercial speech have been made. We understand that. What we don't understand is why they do not apply to alcohol. What we don't understand is why when we ask voters to treat marijuana like alcohol and they agree with us that you then want to treat marijuana as something evil, unlike alcohol. I'm all for treating, if we're going to have billboard bans to, to protect the kids, that's fine as long as you're consistent about it. Because what you're telling the kids right now by banning marijuana billboards but leaving the alcohol billboards is that alcohol is the preferred drug. That alcohol is the way to have a good time. Don't go to the marijuana. Marijuana is terrible and evil and bad. It's so horrific, kids, that we can't let you even see the outline of its leaf or a picture of a 74-year-old man who's known for smoking it. We got to make sure you don't see that. And now, Corona beer, Coors Light, the silver bullet. Hey, Sky Vodka with the sexy woman in the red latex. Woohoo! That's all fine. Now, if it's up to me, I allow all the billboards. I even allow the smoking billboards. Really? 
I, I am for free speech. I love free speech. The more free speech, the better. Billboards for cigarettes, billboards for sex, billboards for uh, uh, beer, billboards for liquor, billboards for marijuana. I'm all for it. Let's just be consistent, though. If we allow all those billboards, then we're saying to the kids, kids, there are adult things that adults will advertise to other adults and they're not for kids. Or let's ban them all. Let's ban them all and say, hey, kids, there's adult things. And we have decided that there are special restrictions on speech when it concerns adult things because we want to protect the children. But let's not keep sending this mixed message that somehow marijuana is the evil one. The one that dare not speak its name must not be referred to, right? This is like being gay in the 1930s or something, right? (laughs) Just don't say anything about it. Don't let anyone know that you're smoking it. Stay in the closet. As long as they don't see you or smell you or, or know that you're doing it, then everything's okay. Well, that's not the kind of equality I'm looking for. That's not the kind of legalization I want. And I understand it's going to take time. I mean, I didn't expect us to wave a magic wand, hold an election, and all of a sudden we go from absolute prohibition to marijuana is treated equally and celebrated for the great medicine it is by all members of society. Didn't expect miracles to happen, but this, this, this desire to want to hide marijuana, to want to shutter it, to enclose it to obstruct anyone from knowing about it my god we can't we can't let them advertise the marijuana because then people might want to smoke it yeah it's a legal product (laughs) like why does this thinking not work with say fast food joints why we can't let carl's jr have those bikini models eating the monster thick burgers That'll make people want to eat them. And and I can actually make the better case that that advertising is harming America. Between the body image issues for little girls watching it and the fact that you're selling a 1,400 calorie cheeseburger, right? And we've got an obesity epidemic in this country. But we allow that. We, we the, the, Our mind doesn't even grasp that that shouldn't be an advertisement, that there shouldn't be golden arches and in and out burgers and all these kind of places that not only get to advertise, but get to advertise straight to kids that make happy meals directed right at them with tie ins, with cartoon movies and action hero movies and superhero movies all aimed at the kids with little toys they can get if they buy that particular store's brand of carbohydrates and fats and sugars and salts. We, we allow that. We, we get the, the whole cereal aisle where, folks, cookie crisp cereal, Reese's Puffs cereal, like candy is actually cereal now. And they put that right there at the three foot level for the little kids to to pull on mom's blouse oh you want that so it's it's not the that they're trying to ban the marijuana billboards that kills me it's the hypocrisy of it it's the selective bullying of the one 
new politically unpopular kid on the block. While the fast food giants and the beer giants and the sex giants and all the other vice industries out there, all the other industries that manufacture products for adults that can be used responsibly but often get abused and lead to problems in society, they're sitting by watching while we get picked on. and, And we're bringing the one that doesn't cause the obesity and the one that does cure diseases and treat maladies and illnesses and leads to less stressed out, less anxious, less violent people. And we're the ones being picked on. We're the ones who have to hide. We're the ones whose billboards cannot be seen on the freeways. That's what motivates me to get up and do this every day. Not that I, I'm I'm not in this because I wanted to get high legally. I could give a shit whether it was legal or not. I was smoking in Idaho in the 90s, man. This isn't about us getting high. We're getting high. We've been getting high. This is about equality. This has been about being treated like citizens instead of criminals. All right, we'll be back with the Radical Rant right after this. 